The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. What can I do for you, Kyle? What, what can I explain to you? <laughs> Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with it's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out the series. Uh, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at all the usual spots like iTunes and Apple Podcast, at Spotify and Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with, and that's me, Kyle Meredith, today, once again, talking with Sammy Hagar. We're going to be digging into uh, his new album called Crazy Times. Uh, it's a record that finds uh, the former Van Halen frontman working with producer Dave Cobb. Uh, Sammy's going to tell us how Cobb pushed him to be more Montrose and Van Halen with his vocals, uh, what it was like making a concept album that spotlights, well, a, a darker personality that he's known for, and wanting feedback right now from Elvis Costello regarding their uh, their Pump It Up cover. Sammy also reminisces on a, a lost Van Halen track that he had completely forgot about uh, that's uh, tied to the movie Twister and how it could finally see the light of day. Uh, we'll get the story behind the bonus track, 2120, and I'll be asking what it was like to work with Slash and Bootsy Collins on 1997's Marching to Mars. You'll get all that and more. It's a fun one. We're talking crazy times. It's Kyle Meredith with Sammy Hagar. How you doing there, Kyle? It's great to see you again. Congratulations on the new album. Thank you. You know, it's so crazy making a record this in this day and age. Uh, you know, I came from the golden era, you know, when you sold three and four or five million records. <laughs> and uh, to come out and be top five, that album came out in, on the charts at number six and went to number five the second week and it only sold 27,000 records. In the old days, I'd have been thrown out of the record company. <laughs> he got dropped from his label. He'll never make a record again. And to have, you know, top five record. Uh, I'm just happy to be able to still make records because it's so important for any artist. Any artist that can't, that just doesn't want to make records anymore or something. And I just, I don't understand it. You know, I love playing live, but you got to write new songs. You got to. Yeah. Well, as greedy fans, we're always... Uh... Very excited to get that. That's always the question, right? Because as soon as you get the new record, they're like, "Cool, when's the next one?" You know, that's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, don't get don't get in a hurry, folks. <laughs> Listen, this one came easy, Kyle. It was so crazy. I think you know the whole COVID thing, not being able to 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 do it. You couldn't even go into the studio. We all know, you know, with your friends because oh, you got to wear masks and social distance. And the engineer got sick. Oh no, cancel the session. So you know, not being able to go on tour, not being able to make music, and you know, just sit around and do nothing. 
it was like a bow and arrow. You know, I felt like an arrow just kept pulling back farther and farther. And man, when that thing went like that, I just went, I was, I shot right, right through the, the whole creative thing just came so easy. I was so, it was so pent up. It was, it couldn't get out of me fast enough. So it was an easy record to make, oddly enough, as, as great as it is for me, I think it's the best record I made, maybe solo record ever. It's, it was easy to make uh, with a producer like Dave Cobb and a band like The Circle. Everybody was so good. It was just boom, 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 boom. But to say, uh, can you make another one that good like next year? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather not have that challenge. Uh, it is great. And and it, it is interesting that you're working with Dave Cobb. I'm, I'm such a fan of what Dave's done over the years, all the artists he's worked with. And and he is an adventurous uh, producer as well. I mean, he'll work with a lot of different type of artists. But, you know, is sort of known for rootsy projects, you know, just to generalize it in those terms. And this isn't a rootsy record. There are those moments, those personal acoustic moments, but it's such a powerful record. What was the compromise on that? I mean, I've heard the stories about you thinking this was going to be maybe a laid back sort of Americana thing and him pushing you the other way. But what did you want from this record? Well, I wanted to make a, an Americana record. I thought at this time in my life the type of lyrics I like to sing about, the things I like to, to listen to, uh, and the sound of my voice now. You know, I don't have that really high screaming Janis Joplin screech uh, as much. I don't like singing like that as much. I like singing with more uh, uh, my natural range. And so I thought, you know, that kind of music and the songs I was writing, Father Time, and I just written that song with Tambo called uh, Be Still, which I think is just a wonderful song. And uh, Childhood's End, even, you know, my little Pink Floyd uh, kind of my stairway to heaven on this record. I was just writing those kinds of songs. And uh, I thought I wanted to make that record. And Cobb said, no, we're going to make the definitive Sammy Hagar record. I want to hear Montrose out of you. I want to hear Standing Hampton, you know, BOA, Three Lock Box at Geffen Era. And I want to hear Van Halen. He goes, I want to hear you and Mikey. I want to hear those vocals. And I want to hear, you know, that power and and when he said, you know, when when he when he put on it, it was well, it's what he did. Okay, God. he he took my guitar. I showed him all my songs. I'd sent them to him on tape anyway, just little acoustic demos and stuff. He knew my songs, so I sat down with him with two guitars, and we were going over, you know, some of the songs. And he starts playing them a different way. He said, "So wait, wait, wait." I hear it like this, and he starts playing, you know, like a little Sabbath on on uh, childhood's end i'm going whoa man that's cool yeah and so he got me that way that's how he got me to change because he brought something he didn't just say nah try something just try this try that he went what about this and i went yep and so i just didn't play guitar on the record and i let him play guitar with my band and then we were they were a great four-piece band and i just sang on every track live and you know i had to re-sing a couple songs but very few and it basically that's how he got it out of me he just went in there with my band. And of course, they're like saying, you want to rock? Let's rock. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that, that's got to take balls, by the way, on his part to say, I want you to be Montrose. I want you to be Van Halen to even bring those things up. Like, I feel like that takes a bit of guts to tell Jason, like, I want some Zeppelin out of you. Like, you know, it's does that does that ever get in the way? Like, is there a, I don't know what I'm asking here. Is there a little bit of ego that has to be set aside because these are the hallmarks, you know? And, and when you have an artist that says, yeah, but I want to push forward, uh, you know, what happens when the guy says that when, when somebody says we're going to push forward, but I still want you to be that, that other thing that we, that you're known for. Well, 
the way Cobb did it, he's the master. He brings it out of you through inspiration. He don't tell you what to do. He don't tell you, no, we're not doing what you want to do. Here's what we're going to do. It's none of that kind of stuff. So no ego ever came into play because he didn't lay an ego trip on you. Like, hey, I'm the boss. You know, it's my studio. That never happened. And to try to get Jason to play like his dad isn't hard. <laughs> First of all, he plays just like his dad. And that's the whole thing that, that Cobb saw was our raw talents, where we're coming from, our influences, and who, you know, what brought us to where we are today. He wanted to make sure he got all that in there. And not, not like it's like, you know, you, like you don't want to throw the baby out with the bath water. You know what I'm saying? It's that, that's a classic way to put it. It's like, you know, just because I didn't want to, I wanted to move on, doesn't mean I don't take with me what I, my tools, you know, I got to bring my tools. So he saw that. So he got the best out of all of thing, everything we are, he got the best out of us. And that's why he's a great producer. You know, when he says to me, go in there and sing, the, I wrote these brand new lyrics for uh, the, the first, the actual first real song in the album is Slow Drain. And it was the last song we wrote. So I had to go home. We wrote it in the studio. I had to go back to my house that night and, and write lyrics and come back in the studio the next day. I come back in and he's going, give it to me, man. Uh, and I said, okay, I just started screaming and singing this song very high. It was in a very high range. I didn't realize it was in such a high range. And, and I'm going, whoa, this is tough. And he's going, now give me another one. I say, the whole song, I say, yeah, give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. He kept saying, he goes, come on, man, give me another one. And I say, why? He said, we got a great one. Are you kidding me? I can use any one of those, right? He goes, just, I said, Dave, I'm blowing my voice out. He's going, so what? This is the last song. Let's go. Come on. Give me one more. Come on. It's so great. Oh, you, wait till you hear that. Oh, man. He's like, then he starts encouraging you, right? And, and I, I just gave it up till I couldn't sing anymore. I had to scream the high notes instead of singing them. You know, normally I'd want to sing the high note, but I had to scream them. And he goes, come in and listen to this. And guess what? It was the last take. It was the one I didn't want to do. So there's, that's a brilliant producer to get you to do something you thought, nah, it's not unnecessary. He said, don't care then. If it's unnecessary, don't worry about it then. Just do, go crazy. Go off key. You know, sing it different. You know, and you know what I mean? It's, he's, he's really good. Yeah, the man's he, uh, proved uh, his stripes over and over. I agree. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies... Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. 
with all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Sammy Hagar. Well, it, those moments are obvious too. As a fan, as a listener, you hear it. It's so much fun to dig into it, to get into, you know, what how how it became a concept album, to get into, you know, those little moments in there. And and I should say even say the whole packaging. I mean, even from the album cover, this thing is fun. Just looking at that and and pouring over it. You know, it, this might not be the era of album covers in the way you know we both grow grown up on in different eras. But you know that that was like I can I w- I'm still from the era like I poured over the liner notes and everything as I'm listening to the record. But you guys still did that out. I mean, uh, you know, looking at the, at the front cover and and all of the stuff in the background. How does that? How did you want that to tie into the whole concept in itself? Because it does play in with with the songs, uh, with the songs too. Well, when it became a concept record, uh, as it built, I realized it was a concept record. I was writing about things that I had gone through, in you know, the, during the the lockdown, you know, uh, and it's a little bit dark, you know. It's a, you know coming out the other side of of um, you know 2021, 2022 uh, was like, woo! Am I the same guy? Do I still believe in everything the same? No, I'm not. I've changed. I even became more a little bit negative, like in the song Crazy Times about that half full glass is empty now. It's upside down. It's empty now. And uh, I kind of the way I was feeling there for a while, you know, like, wow, are we going to get back on our feet? I'm not sure. I'm an optimist. You're right. That half full glass, you know. But then all of a sudden you're going, I don't know. I'm, I, I really don't have faith in the world and mankind in this country and everything else to really get back to where we were. I don't think we're going to. So I wrote a lot about that. So. Well, when you're doing that kind of stuff, uh, then you, you got to, if it's going to be a concept, it's got to go all the way down. It's got to be the Frank Lloyd Wright theory. You know, he's got to use the right screws so that they match the screws in that lamp up there and that the flooring has the same X's going across it around the windows out there. Um, so Todd Galapo, the greatest, he does all my stuff, all my tequila bottles, my rum bottles, my canned cocktails, my other album covers. He just listened to the music over and over and over again. And he kept tweaking that. He had the front cover, but it was all normal. It was a normal cutaway from New York, you know, the streets of, of, of downtown New York. And, and then he, little by little, he'd say, oh, now the cop is Vic Johnson. Oh, now the guy, the homeless guy with the sign up is me. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the bicycles got my little dog in the back of it, you know, whatever. He just started changing the names of the streets 
And, and he just tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it until he kept showing it to me. And I'm going, oh, that's the greatest record I've ever seen in my life. He's going, no, no, it ain't done yet. I said, yes, it is. I was like, he, I was, he was David Cobb and me, man. I was thinking it was all done. He was saying, no, no, it ain't done yet. <laughs> so I think when you're going to make a record with a statement like this, with the beginning of the end, the beginning of the end through childhood's end, all, and all points in between, you, you have to go all the way. So I spent a lot of time and money of my own money on this record and on that album cover and the inside of the album cover and the videos we made to make it a statement that you'll get it. If you, if you sit and get a magnifying glass, crank that stuff up, make yourself a nice margarita or something with some, you drink some of my booze, not because I'm trying to sell it to you, but because then you're going to get the whole experience. Now you're going to be drinking my booze, listening to my music and looking at the concept and with a magnifying glass. And when that record's done, you're going to go, Woo, yeah, I get it. This is, you know, Sammy did a good job. He rolled up his sleeves and went to work for a change instead of being so damn lazy and said, <laughs> walking in the studio and playing a song, well, that's good enough. Next song, you know, I want to get out on tour. <laughs> It is, it is style, basically. <laughs> right. Well, it is evident on here. I mean, uh, again, it, it is a full experience and I've loved every second of it. And, and uh, you do get the concept. I mean, there are the obvious times, as you mentioned, father time. I mean, you have this taking stock, this, this, this looking back kind of thing. And, and, you know, I was kind of, if, if at all, you know, coming off of the, uh, the lockdown sessions covers record, because here you have this idea that you're crafting, but having, I don't know, played so many of, you know, of these songs that you like, these cover versions, do you do you find that there are those moments where they meet in the middle, whether it's influences or just, you know, references or something like that? Well, you know, the Lockdown Session is one of my favorite records ever because it's like the Bowie pinup. When Bowie made that record, Pinups, I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. It was I've got it right over, right over here, yeah. Oh, see, that's one of my favorite records because you just, Bowie was such a creative, unique artist. And for him to show you his what he likes you know like well, this is what i would listen to this is the kind of songs i used to yeah it was just really an insight and so the lockdown sessions to me because of that it showed what this band is what we're made up of those are the kind the songs we covered those are the songs we grew up on and, and all liked you know together because that was a very concept record of the whole band it wasn't just my idea everyone jason picked a song mikey picked a song Vicky picked, picked a song then i'd pick a song we go round and round so you making that, bring that into this record. The fact that we got that off our chests in a funny way, everybody needs to make their cover record just to get it off your chest. So you stop doing cover songs on your record <laughs> and then you can go write your own versions of your favorite kind of songs. If you listen to the song, um, uh, uh, get what you pay for on this album. It's like the who won't be fooled again. Like, you know, it's very much like that song, you know, that's it. He's playing, uh, Jason's playing more like Keith Moon than his dad on that one. And I'm, I'm really, I'm channeling Daltrey on that one. I'm sorry to say folks, but you get, you get what you pay for, you know, it's like, you know, very, very Daltrey-ish. And um, so, yeah, I think that uh, that really set up this record really well. Otherwise we might've had a, more, a couple more covers. Uh, Pump It Up was, was a mistake. It wasn't supposed to be on the album. We were just warming up and jamming that song and Cobb loved it. He came out and started jamming it with us and then said, let's do the bridge right here. Let's go bang, you know, bam, bam, like ACDC, bam, bam. And, and, and we're going, yeah, this is cool. And so we put it on the record, but it wasn't supposed to be on the record. It was just something we were warming up to in the studio. 
Yeah, it's a fun one. Have um, do you ever reach out to the uh, the artist? Like, if you talk to 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 Elvis uh, about this one, do you know if he's if he, has he heard it? I've begged my publicist to send it to his people, and I'm sure it got done, and he, I never got a response. I want him to. I I want to I want to comment, Elvis. Come on, you. I'm I'm reaching out, Elvis. Listen, Sammy here. All right, I covered your song. I love the song. I love you as an artist. We know each other. We've met a few times, and. What do you think? Huh? Did I fuck your song up or, or are you happy? <laughs> He's got to get paid. Come on. You're going to get paid. Don't worry about that. But I would, I would love for him to even say, this sucks. I would love to hear him say, this stinks. Because Elvis, is, he got a, he's got an edge on him. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's a punk. You know, he came from that era. And so, but I would rather hear him say, wow, that's really great. Well, let's remember that he borrowed that one a bit from Dylan on top of it. So he can't get too upset. You know, it's. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we all borrow. Come on, Kyle. Any artist that tells you they didn't borrow something, then they're lying. Right, right. <laughs> well, and even from yourself, like I don't know if it was intentional. When I heard "Childhoods End," especially towards the end, uh, the and, and listen, I'm talking about two notes here, and that's almost unfair that I bring it up, but it recalls to me "Human Being" from the Twister soundtrack. You know, the the shine on part that ah, that comes up and oh. down like that. Oh, you know what? That was, I had already, that was already picking on knocking on heaven's door. (laughs) That was, that was, I had already stole that before. Yeah, because I stole it again from myself this time. But yeah, I I wasn't thinking about that. You know, when, when you are creating, a lot of times you hear things that are identical to what somebody else did and you're unconscious of it because you're, you're, think you're writing it yourself and you think you're hearing it in your head uh especially at my age <laughs> you start, i've got a lot up there a lot of music heard a lot of things uh yeah yeah that's uh, i love that part that's mikey's background vocal ah, ah, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door ah. yeah let's start to pull out <laughs> sorry, live if you want sorry, to bob <laughs> sorry bob robert everybody's gonna steal from bob everybody is gonna oh, steal from demands not too much and we'll be right back right after this i've never been this nervous in my life Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Sammy Hagar. While I'm here in that little world with that uh, human being, it's, I don't know, my era. I love it. One of my favorite songs. And I was thinking about it uh, in the in the lore of uh, of your discography around that time and hearing that they're making the sequel to Twister 2. And I thought, wasn't there the whole thing about, you know, the song that didn't make the soundtrack? I think it was called Between Us 2. And like, oh, wow. Twister 2 is coming around. You could You could resurrect that. Well, I, that would have to go through the Van Halen camp because, uh, you know, the, it's a little dysfunctional all over there. The, the, there's, no, there's never been a fearless leader, first of all, in the Van Halen camp. It's like Roth was for a while, I was for a while, then Eddie took over for a while, and then Alex came in, and then Eddie's gone, and now Wolfie's the fearless leader, I think. I, but, <laughs> but whatever, it's a dysfunction. And, um, but between us two, I can't believe you told me that. Everyone keeps asking me, wow. 
if there's any old songs that ever got released. And I always say, not really. There was a couple, but I, could, I didn't remember. Two or three, Between Us Two. That's a mid-tempo ballad. That's like a Be Still kind of a song uh, for my new album. That's what I would call it if somebody said, what, how was it? Well, it was more like a Be Still. It was kind of almost country, you know. Uh, not country, but I don't know. It was kind of like Can't Stop Loving You not as up-tempo yeah so but you remember enough of it though you've heard it no no i was saying so you remember enough of it though like that this could oh, be I something totally you remember. could resurrect now i totally remember. i don't know if i can resurrect it or not but we've got it it's done it's in it's in the archives up there they'll find it they're looking through the archives right now to try and remaster some of the old stuff from my era and uh, they'll find it all right that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a treasure that's gonna be like my lost cask rum where i forgot see i forgot now people say, is this really a true story? This sounds like a gimmick. No, it's freaking true. You know, I used to make my rum in Hawaii and then about three years into it, it was just too expensive with the cane was disappearing and building condos and ripping up sugar cane. Anyway, long story short, I moved it to Puerto Rico. And when I did, the distillery up there is still there, but they only make vodka and a couple other things that, uh, that Lebec Corporation makes. It was a little distiller bottling facility. So we filled up barrels the first year I made the rum and we stuck them in the back and they got a bunch of signatures on them because for those three years, I would tell fans, go up and visit Highly Mighty if you're in Maui, go up and visit Highly Mighty and see my distillery. And the distiller asked everyone to sign the cast, a little message to me, hey, Sammy Red Rocker, we love you, you know. So it's got, but they stuck them way in the back because I stopped making them there. What are we going to do? They just got them out of the way, you might say. And I forgot. And they, they called it like about a year ago and said to, to my CEO for Sammy's Beach Bar Cocktail Company, Brian Hodes, they said, hey, uh, we've got these barrels. What do you want to do with them? And, says, and he told me, he said, what barrels? Are you, you know? And I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> just like, uh, oh, man, just between us two. That's the same thing. I forgot about that song. What a trip. So anyway, those barrels are coming out. But that's all I do. I ain't trying to hype those things because... There's only 500 bottles and they go on sale on the 14th online and they'll be gone. It'd be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 count to 500. They're gone. Yeah. So uh, I'd love to say that I would love to taste it, but there's no chance. <laughs> well, see, I, I'll have a couple of bottles here. You come on over and I'll give you a little taste. I'll come on over. <laughs> or if I come on your show, if I physically come on your show, there right. you go. Right. Well, I, I know we're running short on a little bit of time here, but uh, a bit more on this record because you get the original album, and then you get the bonus tracks. And I'm always such a fan of B-sides and bonus tracks. And 2120 comes in right here at the end. And what a cool song this is, by the way. Uh, what's the story on this one? Because that's one of the ones I haven't heard about yet. Why wasn't it? Why didn't you feel like this was included in the original uh, set? You know, that's a really good question. Because I finished that demo, you hearing it. All the other songs were sent to him like the Father Time version, the acoustic version of Father Time. That's the way he heard Father Time. That's the way he even heard uh, a song like uh, Get What You Pay For, which is a rocker. But I sent it to him with one guitar and me singing it, right? That's the way I sent him the music. But that one, I, I did the whole demo. Vic and I played all the instruments, did all the vocals, and we got this drummer guy, Elton John's old drummer, not Nigel Olson. My my engineer said, oh, I'll just send it to him. He'll do it in five minutes. He just, he'll just read the music right down and do one take and we'll have it. I said, okay, cool. Because it was such a complex, it's kind of a, you know, uh, kind of a 
sophisticated prog kind of song, you know what I mean, musically. So I said, it's hard to play that riff without drums on there. So blah, blah, blah. That song is so good that I think Cobb was saying, man, you already finished that song. I, I can't make that song any better. I, I really, I really mm -hmm. think you felt that because he kept putting it off. I said, what about, he goes, I love that song. Uh, you know, I, I'd say, okay, but then we'd say, he said, but let's do Father Time. Okay, we'll do Father Time today. Okay. And then it'd be like, well, what about 2120? Oh man, I love that song. <laughs> but we never got around to doing it. Pretty soon we had 10 songs, we got an album. And uh, when they asked for special tracks, I put it under. That song is about, man, I love that song. It's about trying to change the past. I really don't like that movement in the world. Uh, just because it happened, it happened. You know what I mean? It's like, forget about it. We're above that now. We've moved on. You know, the prejudice of the past, the prejudice things that happened. It's horrible, you know, what happened in, in this country, in every country, in places are still happening. But if it's if you're beyond it, you don't have to destroy it. I think history is really important. So that's what I'm trying to say in that song. We can change the world, but we're never going to change the past. Stop it. Let's change the world. Keep changing the world. Keep changing. Keep getting better, better, better. Raise our, elevate our consciousness. So that's what that song is about. It's really important. It, it goes right on this record. It, it's stone concept right in the middle of this record. And I'm so glad it made the uh, extra track. That's a song that I will perform live. It's that kind of a song. It's badass. I love the song. And I can't imagine with Jason and Mikey playing on, it's only going to be better. It ends up being one of my favorite moments, uh, regardless of, you know, how it's on there and everything. And I, I agree with you. It's a really cool track. has a great sound to it. It's in pocket. I did that in my studio. We did it ourselves, man. It's like the pocket in that song is like, it's just contagious. You're just going, you know, <laughs> just, uh, uh, it's like ACDC or something, just like relentless. But anyway, yeah, I love that song. Thanks for bringing that up too. No, congratulations on it, man. And and like I said, it's just great hearing you kind of take this whole idea uh, of the looking back and the looking forward and the way it all works. And and I know, by the way, happy belated birthday. It comes around the 75th birthday that you just had, which uh, looked like a really great time out there. And 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 all the milestones coming up. I mean, fiftieth of uh, of Montrose next year. Uh, I was looking at it. The fortieth of three locks three lock box, which you brought up, happened this year, and uh, the twenty fifth of marching to Mars. Which, okay, one last question. I'm going to sneak this one in. Marching to Mars. You had Slash and Bootsy on that record. What was it like working with them uh, on that one? Well, I didn't work with Slash. My, the, my engineer, uh, who who had done the Guns N' Roses record, uh, he was working on the stuff in L.A. Uh, mixing Little White Lie and Slash was around. And so he just got in to put that little, that not little party, but two cool parts on, on Little White Lie, really cool parts. Uh, so I didn't get to work Slash, but I played with Slash before. He's a great guy. He's a fun guy to jam with. He's, he's a jammer, you know. He's, there's guys that can just pick up a guitar and jam with people, and there's guys that can't. And he can't. <laughs> and I like that because I can sing with guys. I can just say, well, I don't know the song, but don't worry, I'll, I'll sing something. You know what I mean? I'll just make something up and make it work. I love doing that. But Bootsy, what a trip. Bootsy, <laughs> I'm a big James Brown freak, right? And the era with Bootsy is just the greatest, right? And so uh, I wrote that song called, um, I think it was Do It For Free that he played on. He also played on another track that didn't get put on the album, but I called his people. I said, I want Bootsy on this Do It For Free because it's a funky tune. You know, it's, a, it's made to be like a James Brown kind of thing. And uh, Bootsy, I met him at the airport because he had to be paid when he got off the plane. 
That's the James Brown school right there. That's that so is, old school. Yeah. That's so wonderful old school. I was so happy to do it. You don't even know. I was going, that's what I was hoping for. That would be James Brown, what James Brown would do. You got to meet him at the, you know, and pay him. And so I love the guy. He, you know, he told a few really good stories. And he just the way he looked, he had his hair all straight up in the air with a bandana wrapped around his hair, not his head. It was the weirdest hairdo I've ever seen in my life. It's something out of a cartoon. And he's a big, tall guy to begin with, so I made him about seven foot. But man, when he started playing, boom, he was just so funky. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, he's just. I'm in Louisville. He's right up the road in Cincinnati, and I'm said. I still. I'm such a big fan of all the new stuff that he puts out too. And he's got an ear for new talent. Um, well, you talk to him. Tell him I said, hey, have you ever seen him? Time Sammy said, hey, never forget the March of the Mars experience. Do it for free. He probably like my lost cast and probably like. Uh, between us to the Van Halen track, he probably forgot about it. So remind me. <laughs> I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> Sammy, it is always such a pleasure and a fun time to talk with you. Congratulations on Crazy Times. It's a great record. Uh, and man, thanks for taking the time to talk about it. Thank you, Kyle. My pleasure. Peace and love. I, I love the fact that you love 2120. You just made my day. And <laughs> the, 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 the hidden Van Halen track. You, you hit me on two of them. That alone <laughs> makes it worth it. My thanks to Sammy Hagar. The new record, Sammy Hagar and the Circle, is called Crazy Times. Uh, you can also dig deeper in this series and find the interview that we did uh, just a year or two ago behind his uh, his cover record, the, uh, the Lockdown Sessions. Uh, thanks to you for hanging out, checking out the episode, making it all the way to the end. Uh, I do hope you'll hit that subscribe button. Again, you get three new interviews sent to you every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify and Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots. That's uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Hey, welcome to Kyle Meredith with Consequence where we check out some cool new things happening on the uh, Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today I get to talk to uh, Ann Erickson, host of our new Consequence Podcast, Beyond the Boys Club. Hey, Kyle. And congratulations on Beyond the Boys Club. Uh, well, what can you tell us about it? Four years ago, I started a column published on Consequence called Beyond the Boys Club. The goal was to spotlight the women making a name for themselves in rock and metal. All these artists share their passion for music and their stories of breaking barriers as women in the music industry. This fall, we're taking the conversation further in the Beyond the Boys Club podcast. The interview series will welcome amazing female and non-binary artists from across the genre spectrum to share their stories and triumphs as they follow the beat of their own drum and shake up the scene. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to check it out. And we should all check it out because Beyond the Boys Club arrives uh, twice monthly uh, on Tuesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. Great talking with you, Anne. Thanks, Kyle.
Consequence Podcast Network. Have I got my phone right? Am I supposed to be sideways like this, or do you want me to put it upright? Adios. Let's see if I can get out of here. Here we go. Leave like that. Leave. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media.